Well, good morning, Buck Creek. Hey, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if, if you do remember me from being the pastor here, you know there ain't nothing formal about me. So let's just have church, all right? And uh, praise the Lord and just worship. Man, I can't believe y'all asked me to come back and preach. I'm honored and thrilled. Let me say before I go any further and before I forget to do that, uh, Suzanne is not with me. And I know that really the main reason I was asked to come is so I could bring Suzanne with me. I understand that. I know how that works. I get it too, okay? And, uh, but you, if you remember Jennifer, little bitty Jennifer when we were here, she's now a mama uh, of two uh, our granddaughters, and they live out in Washington State. Our son-in-law, Jennifer's husband, Adam, is a lieutenant in the Navy, and uh, they are stationed in the Seattle, Washington area. And so uh, Suzanne is out there being grandma for uh, for a week, and just so sorry that it worked out to be the same time uh, because she she really, really, really does hate it. She loves y'all, but not more than the grand youngin. Say amen right there. <laughs> I, I get it. She left me here too. So I understand. I, I understand. I see how it works. But uh, she's out there. But she said, be sure to send my very best to the good people at Buck Creek. And so I, I give you that from Suzanne today. Man, I walk in here and, and, and talk about homecoming and reflecting and thinking back. I just get flooded with memories. I just stand here and, 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 and thinking back to me standing here with a head full of hair. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's just, uh, just sweet memories. But to think about so many of you sitting here today that I, many of you have already got to talk to, that I, I did your wedding ceremony here and, and so many of you that I, I did, uh, I did your loved one's funerals right here. Just so many of those big events that help a pastor and a people to really bond in those times. I can remember standing in this pulpit and, and just seeing God move in such mighty ways. I can remember seeing people getting up during the service, not waiting till an invitation, and just getting up and coming down broken at this altar and just said, I can't wait till you give an invitation. I need to get saved. Somebody show me how to get saved. And just to think back on those things and, and praise God for the wonderful memories. One of the things that we do about, uh, that we do with homecoming times is we do think back. And my goodness, what a heritage. What a wonderful, rich heritage. But another thing that I think we ought to use homecoming for, not only a time to think back on what has happened, uh, but a time also to look ahead. A time to look forward. And uh, I, I'm just grateful to see all that God is doing. I'm Facebook friends with a lot of you. And there are a few good things about Facebook. Yeah, there, there are a few good things. And one good thing is I get to keep up with a lot of you. And I get to see so many of you excited about what God is doing at the church here at Buck Creek. And just thankful that God is making you into the church that God wants you to be. I thought to myself as I see and as I worship with you and I see how uh, God is just transformed in many wonderful and positive ways. I thought to myself, Brother Kenny, I thought, man, I, I, I tried to change something in the order service in the bulletin one time. And I was almost accused of denying the virgin birth, I think. And, and uh, But my ministry survived. My ministry survived. But I'm grateful. <laughs> I am grateful that, uh, that God has brought us so far thankful that God, and I'll always be a part of this church. I hope you don't mind if I just feel like in my heart, I am always going to be a part of this great congregation. I was still in my twenties, uh, fresh out of Gardner-Webb College when, uh, when you, uh, called me to be your pastor and just, uh, just exciting. And it just seems like, a, in the words of, um, in the words of the great theologian, Kenny Chesney, don't blink. 
Because it does go by in a hurry. That's enough of that. Let's get into the word. Because I believe I got a message that I, that, it, that will be very appropriate for our homecoming day at Buck Creek. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look together at verses 15 through 23. When I knew I was coming and in the weeks preceding this day, I began to say, okay, God, it's, uh, it's going to be here soon. I need to know what message should I preach that day at, uh, at Buck Creek for homecoming day? And uh, I began to think about some of the same things I've already said. It's a time of looking back. Yeah, praise God for what has happened, but also a time to launch forward into everything that God has for us as a people. And so I, I want to bring a message that I've entitled the potential of the church. The potential of the church. And we see here in Ephesians 1, and I hope you have your Bibles, and I hope you'll keep your Bibles open because we're going to be just digging in and we're just going to be uh, digesting these things verse by verse from Ephesians chapter 1. But for the sake of getting us started today, I want to read out loud and you follow along verses 15 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, the potential of the church. Beginning in verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the in that which is to come. And he put all things under his capital H-I-S under Jesus feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all you know the subject of potential is uh is something that comes up a lot in a lot of different areas of life, in, in everyday conversations, we talk about the potential of this or the potential of that. So since we're going to be using that word a lot, let's understand what we mean when we talk about potential. The word potential literally means capable of development. That's what potential is. Capable of development. It's not everything that it ought to be yet, but there is great capability of genuine development. It's a word that means expressing possibility, expressing possibility. No, it's not everything that it ought to be yet, but wow, look at the possibilities that are there. Potential is an expression of the possibilities and the capability of the development to become everything that whatever you're talking about was designed to be. We'll talk to somebody about a job offer and we say, wow, you know, this job, if I take this job, this job has the potential to not just change my career. Man, this job has the potential to change my whole life. Man, this can make all the difference in my life. Uh, you know, I, I've always, uh, for whatever reason, I always had a lot of school teachers in congregations where I pastored. And I've heard school teachers talk about particular students that they had. And I've seen, I've seen school teachers who were heartbroken talking about a student to say, I know that this student is so smart. They really are. 
uh, but, but, but they just want to apply themselves and they agonize over how can I help this student to reach their full potential, to be willing to do the work, to press on and to push forward and meet their full potential. You know, we as parents, we always want better for our kids and we want it for ourselves, right? And, and we want our children and we try to raise them in such a way that our children will reach their full potential. I've heard coaches of teams say, man, this athlete got all American written all over them, but they do just enough just to get by. And coaches will sometimes say, how can I motivate this athlete to push through all that and to reach their full potential? Well, it really is a tragedy, isn't it? To, 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 to whatever area of life that you're talking about, to see somebody not meet their full potential potential. Well, Buck Creek, I want you to consider something this morning. If it is so tragic to see an individual not live up to his or her full potential, then how much more tragic would it be for a local church to not live up to their full potential? How tragic that would be to be here to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God, to bear the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave His life for us, to know that we are empowered with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and we are here with the infallible Word of God as our very guide and as our very resource, and to have all this, but not meet our full potential of everything that God has for us, how tragic that would be. Hey, let me just let this be a reminder to Buck Creek Baptist Church today. Right here through the ministry of Buck Creek Baptist Church, there is the potential by the grace and the power of God to see this community transform to the glory of God. And dear Buck Creek Church, there is the potential right here as you work together with Bible-believing, like-minded churches uh, all around through the body of Christ to have a part in reaching this world and making disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. There is that potential. There is that potential. And yet so many times we don't live up. We'll get so far. We get so close. We get right to the edge and something happens that makes us draw back and not go on to meet our full potential. Y'all know Philippians 4.13? Of course y'all know Philippians 4.13. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, don't misinterpret what that verse. It doesn't mean that you've been called to do everything. That's why we're a body. That's why we are the body of Christ. And each one of us has the spiritual gifts. And even each church, I think even local congregations are stronger in some areas than they are in other areas. But that's why we all, the redeemed, the blood bought, we are the body of Christ. Philippians 4.13, that means you're supposed to do everything. But here's what it does mean. It means that everything God calls you to do, you can do. 
So whatever decision it is you're making, whatever discussion you're having, whenever you begin to talk and whenever you begin to think about uh, about what you're supposed to do next, as you begin to move forward from homecoming day and you begin to look forward and go out toward the future now, this day forward, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means, listen, all we got to know is, is it the will of God? And if it's the will of God, let's go. Let's move on. Let's move ahead. Let's go forward because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, let me just say it this way. Buck Creek, your potential is unlimited. Your potential is unlimited because our God is unlimited. Now, I love the book of Ephesians. Y'all love the book of Ephesians. Uh, the, The book of Ephesians here. One of the things Ephesians challenges us to do is to lay aside everything that is holding us back. I love that. So many times in churches when we begin to say, okay, we really need to seek God. We really need to, uh, really need to be about the work of the kingdom. We start thinking about what we can start next, what we can start next, what we can add, what we can add, what we can do next. Well, there's, there's a place for that. But one of the things Ephesians teaches us, if you study this whole book sometime, is that we've also got to do an examination. I hope that wasn't real important. <laughs> that note that just fell out. Does anybody remember what I was talking about before that happened? It's like squirrel. Okay, well, anyway. That we need to see that there are some things in the life of a church that we need to lay aside. We always talk about add this, add this, add this, and there's a time for adding, there's a time for, for, for doing this. But, the, but, but Ephesians, I, one of the things I love about it is it teaches us, and it bears true in all the New Testament, sometimes we have to do an examination of ourselves as a church body and see there are some things that are just excess weight, some dead weight that needs to be laid aside. And so if it's holding us back from meeting our full potential, then we need to get it out because it's not a healthy thing. And so many years in the church, and I came up through the 80s when it was all about church growth, and I'm thankful that we're finally learning that that we need to focus more on church health than we do just talking about church growth, because if something's healthy, it's going to grow like it was intended to grow. But we need to focus on the health of that thing, and it's, that's that's the that's the same true uh, the same truth in uh, the church today. So we need to lay aside some things, get some things out that are keeping us back from our full potential. In the opening verses of this letter, Paul, I, I love this. You see it unfolding. Look at your Bibles there. Look at Ephesians one. He, he starts off by just saying and reminding the Ephesians, "Don't ever forget about the blessing of getting saved." Hey, is anybody in here this morning just glad to be saved? That's a great testimony. I tell you, don't worry about, don't worry about how long it takes you. If if you're saved, just to say, hallelujah, I'm glad I'm saved. Now look at verse three of Ephesians one. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That means has right now, has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now that's enough to get excited about right there. Blessed be God, the one who has saved us. But then he, he just keeps going. It keeps building to what we read just a moment ago. Because he then begins to speak in verse 5 about the blessing that goes along with the knowledge that we have been adopted into the family of God. Oh yeah, look at verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. 
So, man, this is exciting. We're saved, he talks about in verse 3. He has adopted us. We are adopted sons and daughters of Almighty God. And that's exciting, but he doesn't end there. He reminds the Ephesians, if you go down to verse 7, that our sins have been paid for. Our sins have been forgiven through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption. He redeemed us. That means we are bought and paid for. Hallelujah. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. I love it. When Paul begins to get into the teaching of the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, Buck Creek, something I think you already know. 2000 years later, it's still the power of the blood of Jesus that washes away sin. And I love the way Paul dealt with it because Paul came out of legalism. Paul came out of this thing, you know, of, 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 of trying to abide by the law, thinking the law was going to be enough to do it for you. And, and, and I love how Paul then took it upon himself as God inspired him by the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, to tackle this issue of, of blood atonement. When you study the Old Testament, You'll notice a phrase, and phrases are very important. If it's in the Word of God, it's important. And you'll notice that when they would sacrifice animals in the Old Testament, it always used the phrase, for the covering of sin. Y'all ever notice that? For the covering of sin. The covering of sin. Well, y'all, y'all help me out with something, church. Anything that can be covered can be what? Yeah. Oh, man, there it is. That was covered up. What happened? Well, anything that can be covered... Can be uncovered. So we got to go get another animal. We got to find a blood sacrifice and we got to do it because we got to cover that back up because this doesn't come uncovered. How about that? Well, you get to the New Testament and you get to the Lamb of God. You get to the ultimate supreme sacrifice of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. And notice something in the New Testament. When it talks about the redemption through his blood, when it talks about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it talks about Jesus who died at Calvary, it never says that his blood was for the covering of our sins. Notice in the New Testament that it tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ does what? Takes our sins away. Hey, hey, it's not to be covered up to be uncovered one day. I am glad that the sins that are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and they are many, back in my life, back through the years now, but I'm glad that every one of those that is under the blood can never be uncovered. It has been taken away. Thank God. My daddy, I thought about my daddy a little bit ago. I thought about when I when I got called to be the pastor here. And uh, man, I'm just a... <laughs> I'm just, I'm not just a few years into the ministry, you know, and, and God called me here and mom and daddy rode up from Greer and they were, they walked in. I never will forget daddy's face. We walked in here. He saw this big old sanctuary. I mean, this was like Notre Dame, you know, to, to where we come from. And he walked in here, saw this big old beautiful sanctuary. My daddy was not an emotional person, man. His eyes lit up. He looked at me and said, you got a big church. I didn't intend to tell you that story. I just thought about it a while ago. I, I, I did think about daddy. When, when we were growing up, I'm, I'm one of four boys, no girls. God bless my mama's heart, raising four boys. My daddy worked in the worked first shift at Lyman Mill. And uh, so somebody would be there to keep us four boys from killing each other. My mama worked second shift at Greer Mill, J.P. Stevens Greer Mill down there. 
And I can remember some other time my daddy standing. My daddy would cook a supper, you know, since mama was on second shift. And sometimes we'd have to wash the dishes. Sometimes daddies would go ahead and wash the dishes. And I, and I thought about what I just preached. And I thought about daddy standing in there. And one of the songs daddy used to sing, my daddy was no singer. But my daddy would sing. I think he was singing the blues because he's having to stand there and wash dishes. But uh, he was standing and he would sing that old song that said, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore from the book of life. They've all been torn out and I don't remember them anymore. See, that's what I'm talking about. They have been torn out. My daddy used to also stand there and sing, I'm walking the floor over you, but I didn't know if you'd want to hear Ernest Tubb this morning or not. <laughs> but they are gone. Our sins have been removed. And so, man, he just keeps building. Let's go back to it now. He, uh, he reminds these Ephesians, go to verse 9, that we can live in the knowledge of his purpose and of his will. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purchased in purposed in himself. Now, all this leads us to the privilege of bringing praise to his glory, because church, that's what it's all about. Bringing praise to his glory. Look at verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Now, we're down to verses 13 and 14. You'll notice something when you begin to read. And, and, and really, if you read this in the original language it was written in, it's a lot clearer than it is here in this English translation of the Bible. But because you'll realize if you read this from the Greek that Paul begins to broaden the focus to not just the individual believers of the church, but to the church as a whole itself. Verses 13 and 14. In him... That's in Jesus, it says, you, or ye, uh, let me give you a quick lesson in Greek. Y'all, y'all wanted to learn something about the Greek this morning. I can tell by the look on your face. It'll be brief. You know what? More literally translated, the most literal word that we can use in our vocabulary here at Buck Creek today for what he says, it reads this way. In him, y'all. That's literal from the Greek. I mean, it, it really is. Y'all also, he broadens the focus to the group, to the church body. Y'all also trusted after y'all heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, y'all were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Hey friends, listen, Jesus died on Calvary's cross for the church. Yes, he died for you. And yes, he died for me, but he gave his life so that he could adopt us into his family. And who is his family? His family is the church. Verse 14 refers to the purchased possession. Who is that purchased possession church? It's us. It is the church. And by his grace, we are called to live up to our full potential. And we are to do so, verse 14 says, to the praise of his glory. Now, y'all want to have a conversation about potential? Y'all want to talk about some potential? I, I want you to see what we've just seen unfolding in the word of God. We have, church, listen. We have the Trinity of God at work on our behalf. 
Wow. The Trinity of God. I mean, did you see it? Verses 3 through 6 tells us that we have been chosen by God the Father. Verses 7 through 12 says we have been redeemed by God the Son. And verses 13 and 14 says we have been sealed and protected and empowered by God the Holy Spirit. Let me just say again, Buck Creek, our potential is unlimited. Oh, wow. Now, our response to the, to the gospel... Now, it's personal. Nobody can do that for you. Uh, joining a church full of saved people is not going to make you a saved person. Evangelist Billy Sunday used to say, I, I saw some kittens that were born in a bread box, but that didn't make them biscuits. Don't y'all love country theology? I, I love country theology. And it's the same with being among a bunch of good saved people. That's not going to make you a saved person. But when we do put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we are born again, we are saved, we are called to a community of believers called the church. We are incorporated into the body of Christ, which is the church. We now join forces with God's mission and God's plan for redemptive work on earth through his church. And we get down to verses 15 through 23. Yeah, we're back where we started now just a little bit ago. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it contains a prayer. Did you notice this was a prayer that Paul was praying for the church? And, and, and he's praying to meet our full potential. Verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16, what does it say? It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he begins to pray. So the last few minutes now, and I'm mindful that there's a room full of food out there. Believe me, look at me. You know, I'm mindful of that. So I'm just going to take just a few minutes and I'm going to give you two quick things. Two quick things. Church, number one, we are called to a great inheritance when we're talking about our potential as a church we are called to a great inheritance verses 17 and 18 says it this way that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened you know what that's saying god opened their eyes yeah, your translation may even say opened, open, open their eyes. God, open their eyes and help them to see the potential that they have through you, God. The eyes being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, the primary focus of this prayer is that believers come to understand what is already ours. What's already ours. You understand that about the inheritance, the spiritual inheritance? I thank God for what we're going to see happen when we get to heaven. I thank God for that inheritance, that spiritual inheritance. We're laying up, storing up treasures in heaven throughout our whole life. But we got to realize, man, God wants to bless you right now. And there is spiritual inheritance that, as he tells us in these verses, are, are, are ours as his people right here and right now. And the prayer is that we will understand that. There's a word you need to know if you don't know this word already in your spiritual life, and it's the word appropriate. Y'all know the word appropriate? It's a word that simply means to lay hold of. And in spiritual terminology, it's to lay hold of what is already yours. 
Appropriate the things of God. Lay hold of what is already yours. People talk about the empowering to do what God's called us to do. Is it going to be? Let me tell you something. If you really are saved, then the power is already there. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You're not going to find a greater power than that. But you've got to appropriate. You've got to lay hold on what is already yours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness? How many times does somebody say, well, I don't know. I've done so many things. And uh, uh, is, is his forgiveness really going to be there for me if I go to him in prayer and ask him for forgiveness? Hey, is it going to be here for you? Do you not realize that forgiveness has been waiting for you for 2,000 years now? Is it going to be here? It's already here. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness has been available since Jesus gave his life on the cross. But you've got to personally, by faith, appropriate that forgiveness. Forgiveness is already here. Don't worry about stuff that you don't need to be worried about. So appropriate these things. In verse 17 mentions the wisdom and the knowledge that it takes to understand this. See, wisdom is the God-given ability to use the spiritual knowledge that we gain as the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the promises of God. Some churches, sad to say, never meet their full potential because they don't seem to understand all that is available to us through our Almighty God. Well, I don't know. Our budget's not as strong as it used to be. And I don't know. We, we don't have this. This is not as big or that's not as big. We hear so many churches say, let me tell you something, church. It's time that the church stop focusing on the places that we're small and start focusing on the places where God is big. Because that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Because whatever you can come up with, God is bigger. God is bigger than whatever you can come up with on your own right there. The pages of scripture are, are full. Full of these kind of promises. And yet we never sometimes open the pages of scripture to even see those promises. Story was told is college graduation time for some people right now. Story of, uh, of a young man who was graduating college or getting close to graduation. And ever since he started getting close to graduation, he got this idea in his head that his daddy was going to give him a new car. When he graduated college. Now his daddy never said that. But he got that in his head. And he started telling everybody. Daddy going to get me a new car when I graduate. He's just spreading that word. You know he came up with that on his own. And, and, and finally the day of graduation came. And his dad walked down the stairs at their house. And he said son I've got your graduation gift for you. And his son was so excited. And his daddy held out. A Bible. A Bible. And the son was just kind of like a deer in the headlights. Look, he reached out and he, and he took it and he looked back at his daddy and he said, that's it? A Bible? That's it? And the son looked at his daddy that day so infuriated. And he said, if that's all you got for me, you can just keep it. And he threw that Bible down in the floor. And he walked out. A sadder part of this story is, he hardly ever spoke to his daddy again after that. Even sadder, it was just a few years after that happened that his daddy died. Well, you know, if you've ever had a parent to die, you have to go to their house and go through their papers and legal stuff that you have to do. So it was his role to go there and do that. He was in the place where the desk and the office was at his dad's house and he began to go through, st 
through some stuff and he, he found that Bible. And his mind raced back to when his daddy gave him that Bible as a graduation gift. And all that happened. And he did something he should have done those years earlier. He took that Bible and he opened it. And when he opened that Bible, the key to a then brand new car fell out of that Bible and onto the desk. What happened? If he had opened the Bible, he would have found the treasure. If he had opened the Bible, he would have found the treasure. So many people, so many of us, let's not even look around, so many of us, we make the Bible a closed book by the life that we live. We close our minds. We close our very heart. That's why he prayed in verse 18. Let their eyes be opened. Enlighten them. Many of us do see the promises of God. And we never seem to believe they apply to us. And we never reach our full spiritual potential. Because we don't seem to understand. We are called, dear church. We are called to a great inheritance. And I promise you something, Buck Creek. It's a whole lot better than some stinking new car. Did you see what's happening in these verses of Scripture? Just what we've already seen? Listen, he says we are chosen by God the Father. We are redeemed by God the Son, Jesus Christ. We are sealed by God the Holy Spirit. We are saved through Christ's shed blood. We are adopted into the family of God. We are forgiven of all of our sins. We are filled with the knowledge of His will. We are recipients of God's purpose. We are heirs, verse 18 says, of the riches of the glory of His inheritance by the saints oh in other words we are called to a great inheritance buck creek don't stop short of that let me give you one more thing and we're going to close this service out we're going to say the blessing and go eat but i got to leave you with this second thing is we are filled with a great power wouldn't be fair if I didn't tell you that. We are filled with a great power. Pick up in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Buck Creek community don't need to see what Buck Creek Baptist Church can do. Buck Creek community needs to see what God can do through a church that is surrendered to him. The greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. It's under Jesus' feet. You say, I don't know, man, this is over my head. Well, hallelujah, it's under Jesus' feet. Keep that in mind. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The high mark, if you will, of Paul's prayer for the church is there in verse 19 when it speaks of the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Hear me. Hear the word of God, Buck Creek. Sometimes we miss out on our full potential because we spend all our time looking back. 
Homecoming day? Absolutely. I love it. I love days like this too. This is awesome. And to have a heritage like this, yeah, we need to look back. I've been doing it while I've been here this morning. I love to look back. I love so much about the old days, the old times of, uh, and I'm talking about a whole lot further than when I was here. I had the privilege in my life of being related to, I think, one of the greatest evangelists of all times, Dr. J. Harold Smith. His mama was a Rogers, and I was related to Dr. Smith through his mama's family. And I just, just to sit with him at times and to listen to him tell about back in the 1940s and all and those tabernacle camp meetings and those kind of things. Man, I'm telling you, that stirs my soul. I love that. Look back and reflect and remember. The Bible is full of memorials and times to stop and remember. That's true. That's biblical. We need to remember. But Buck Creek, don't get stuck there. Thank God for what was and what has been. But don't get stuck in the past, always looking back. Because it will keep you from reaching your full potential. Sometimes we miss out on our full potential because we're always just looking forward. I'm going to heaven one day. Hey, how about you? I am. I'm not taking away from that. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to heaven. If you're saved, we're going to heaven. But hear this. We ain't there yet. Glad I'm going. But being the church is a whole lot more than just an awesome place to go to when this life is over. It is a life of going forth and moving forward. And right here and right now in this life, God has given us to say, I'm not going to stop short. I'm not going to let anything and I'm not going to let anybody Keep me from reaching the full potential that my God has for me. Stand up, church. Stand up. Musicians, worship team, whoever leads the invitation. Because this time, because there's nothing more important than what we're doing right here, right now. And I want to challenge Buck Creek Baptist Church. That while this invitation is being given, this response time is happening. I believe it would honor the Lord for His people to come before Him even at an altar of prayer. And to first thank Him. For what has been. But don't just thank him for what was. You, if you mean it, don't do it because I said so. But if you mean it, would you tell God this morning that you are not going to let anybody or anything keep you from reaching your full potential. The fullness of him who fills all in all, as it says here. Old time preachers back many years ago used to say, don't live beneath your privilege. I don't know if you've ever heard that old phrase or not in preaching. Don't live beneath your privilege. It's just another way of saying what I've been taking the last 30 minutes to tell you. Don't let anything keep you, Buck Creek Baptist Church. Hey, I mean, don't you let anything keep you 
from reaching the full potential that God has for you. And if you will, you make that surrender of your heart to be a part of reaching the full potential of all that God has for you. And why don't we just do that and surrender ourselves? And, and why don't deacons and, and why don't small group facilitators and why don't leaders among this church, why don't you go ahead and, 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 and go ahead and set the example and let's just get before holy God right now as the amen, come on, as the music is playing and as we're going to be singing, the words, I guess, will be up here. Is that right? And so right now, as God is at work, come on and let's meet our full potential beginning afresh and anew today right now as we sing would you come would, would